Hey everybody, welcome to Swiping Vegas, where we discuss the topics that define dating in the modern world. I'm really sorry guys, I am such a perfectionist. I had to like write this down and I had to read it. So my tone and inflection is just completely horrible. But you know, it's just a couple seconds, so bear with me. So today we have Kelly Christensen. She really impressed me. She's a natural on the mic. We could have gone on to talk for hours, but we limited ourselves to just two. So I'm going to have to split it up into two episodes. In this episode, she talks about her dating past, and in the next episode, we talk about present-day dating. I'm really excited to finally bring you this episode. I've been thinking about this broadcast series for months, and it's been something I've really wanted to do. I've been constantly speaking to my friends about it, and today, I finally get to show them that I'm not all talk. I've also been working really hard on the back end. I made SwipingVegas.com, the Instagram, the Discord, the SoundCloud, the Patreon, the Facebook, and the YouTube. I subscribed to the Creative Cloud and started familiarizing myself with Adobe software. I plan on taking podcasts producing seriously. I can't wait to bring you the interesting content. So without further ado, this is Kelly Christensen and I. Today we have with us... Kelly Christensen, if anyone's wondering. Uh, Yes, hi. And I'm here to talk about dating in Las Vegas today. And... uh, all things dating and fun, right? I think that's what we're here for. <laughs> so, so tell us about uh, like your early dating experiences and your like your youth and how you got started. How how that was? Okay. Uh, wow, it was pretty non-existent for a long time. Uh, junior high, high school, I could not seem to figure out how to get the attention of boys that I liked. And it always, I was always getting the attention of boys I wasn't very interested in. (laughs) And I uh, probably made the huge mistake of asking my parents and specifically my dad why that was. And so, of course, your parents love you and they want you to, you know, feel better. So it was the answer always was just, uh, you know, boys are stupid and (laughs) they just don't understand how special you are. And uh, all that kind of nice little anecdotal advice. And um, my first boyfriend, I was 17 when we started dating. And he went to my high school and I met him as a senior and he um, had just graduated or was about to graduate. So he graduated, I was a senior. And so he was a little bit older than me. And uh, instant attraction, instant, instant chemistry. And for some reason that worked out (laughs) and we ended up dating for three years and then took a break for six months and then dated for another three years. So it was a very long-term relationship. That was my first successful uh, attempt at dating. And I still think it was successful, even though it didn't, you know, we didn't get married and we didn't end up together, but I still think it was very successful for a dating experience. Um, so that, that was my early so tell experience, us, just failure, 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 and then success. <laughs> so, so tell us about like when you guys first met, like your first, like, do you remember you guys' first date? To be honest, I don't remember. We met through friends. We met through a mutual friend. Um, and I just all of a sudden figured out how to flirt. I, I can't explain that any more than what it, it actually like is. Genetic. It just happened. Yeah. I just all of a sudden knew how to turn him on, how to 
just do that push pull thing and get him interested and get him to come my way. And it just like happened instantaneously. I was like, Whoa, where'd that come from? I don't know. Um, so it just worked out and I don't remember like our first experience dating. It just sort of like fell into that. We hang, we started hanging out more. Um, so it was really natural. It was very, very natural, very organic. Yeah. There was nothing forced about it. And then eventually after a few months, he, you know, we started to talk about sex. I had never had sex before. I lost my virginity uh, to him. And I was super ready, but I was kind of waiting for him to make the first move for some reason. And then he was found out that I, he was waiting for me to make the first move. And it was just this silly thing of like, well, I've been ready. Well, I've been ready. Okay, well, let's just do this then. That's <laughs> so really cool. It was but, cool. <laughs> so... So then you tragically uh, broke up with him. Yeah. Like how many years ago? Oh, oh my gosh. So let's see. I think I was 22 or 23. So it was about 10 years ago or so. 17 from, so it was either 22 or 23 is when I, when I ended it. He ended it the first time when we took like that break and I was devastated but it gave me a chance to get out there and meet other guys and have other experiences. And I did, and I had a lot of fun. And then he ended up coming around and wanting to get back together. And I didn't want to at first. So did you start dating guys right as soon as you guys took the break? Did you already have guys like lined up? Like, and like, no, no, I, I grieved for a bit. Cause I was really heartbroken. And, um, and then it just happened naturally actually, where I just met someone else out nightclubbing, um, and he's a great guy. We're still friends actually to this day and did just instant chemistry again. And I just kind of was like, okay, I'm ready to like try so, new so things. I, so I take it there wasn't much conversation in the nightclub. When there was no conversation almost at all. No, it was really fun. Actually. He just, he felt that I felt it. Um, and he knew when to go in and he was pretty bold. He's a pretty bold guy, a very forward and very, um, confident. So I, I was just ready and he felt it and we went for it. And then, uh, um, we didn't end up hooking up that night. It, he actually lived in San Diego. We were in Tijuana actually. Oh, wow. So it was pretty serendipitous that I met someone kind of <laughs> in Tijuana that lived in San Diego and we ended up being able to get together after that. Um, and, uh, so there was him and a few other guys and I was just having fun for like six months. And then, um, the original guy, my original boyfriend ended up wanting to get back together. So we did. Um, after some discussion and hesitancy so, on my so part. So essentially you, you found one guy and you kind of stuck to that one guy mm -hmm. for the whole break. Uh, pretty much. There was a, there was a couple others and cause I didn't want to commit to anyone. I knew that I didn't want to like jump from a three year relationship to another relationship. I wanted to, you know, just explore, play the field, kind of be single and have fun, not be tied down anyone. Cause it's a very serious relationship. We were talking about getting married and then he decided that I wasn't the one. Um, and then six months later decided that I was the one. <laughs> then three years later I decided he wasn't the one. So that's how that ended. <laughs> so how did you, uh, I mean, what year was this? I don't want to like date like, you, but no, I'm 32 just in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> um, so this was 10 years ago. So it was like 2006 or seven. Okay. So like online dating wasn't like the biggest it was, thing. Oh, it was so not a thing. I didn't have a Facebook until 2009 or something. Yeah. yeah. So, and that was something that I just pushed against 
for a while because friends of mine had it. And I was like, that's stupid. Why don't you just text me or call me? Like, why do you need like this whole other like thing <laughs> entity yeah. that I don't care about? Like I like 30 friends or something. So I was just like, we all talk to each other and see each other all the time. Why do we need this? And then of course I caved and got a Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't even have a MySpace. So back then dating was mainly meeting. And how did you meet like these other, these other guys during the break through mutual friends and like at parties and stuff? Or? I don't think that there were any mutual friends situations. Actually, it was just me going out and being open to the possibility of meeting someone and having fun. And I, you know, I found that this, that guys are just attracted to you when you're having fun. Yeah. And I was all, and I'm still all about having fun as much as I possibly can. And I was back then too. I was just kind of living life and like being free and going out and being me. I was very comfortable in my skin. Um, and very happy with where I was in life. So it was just easy. It was just easy to attract, you know, guys. And then, you know, of course, if like, if I'm in a situation where I wasn't feeling a certain person or I didn't, it was, I, I think always in a nightclub and I met a couple little flings here and there at work. Um, but nothing serious. The guys would always approach you. Um, yeah, basically. Yeah. As long as I was out having fun, it was pretty easy. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you noticed this, but like I, I noticed this still. And even back then that I would go out and I would look around at some point and realize that I was like the only one actually having fun. Like there was just a bunch of people standing around kind of not having any fun. Yeah. And, and like, of course no one's going to be attracted to that. No one's going to be excited about that. So I'm over here, this ball of energy dancing and like talking to people and like just having a ball. And then it's just easy. People want to approach you and people want to, you know, have fun with you. And that's just kind of the approach that I take, uh, that I guess I've took naturally. And now I take it on purpose because it, it works. So you're kind of like a leader of fun is essentially what I'm hearing. I love to think of myself that way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that across the board, um, people need to have more fun than we're having in dating, especially, but just across the board with work in everyday life when you're out with your friends, I, I think there's so much pressure put on how things are supposed to look, how you're supposed to look, behave, act, um, be seen. And if you just kind of take that all the way and get comfortable with yourself and who you are and, and move towards the direction of, of what makes you feel really, really good about yourself and what makes you want to just have fun and stop caring about what everyone thinks. I think that's, the best approach to take in life and in dating specifically. So let's fast forward a little bit. Okay. okay. So then you broke up. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so what happened right after that? Did you like, so you decided he's not the one mm -hmm. we assess our, like our own value. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then we essentially kind of match up our value against, you know, like, well, what is this person going to like, you know, how are they going to fit in my life? You know? And then if, you know, and if they, they're not treating you the way you feel and you feel like your value, you deserve more and all that. So, I mean, how, I mean, how is that situation? Uh, well, first I, I do want to define, I guess, specifically, we keep saying like the one, 
do want to be clear that I don't necessarily believe in the one, but I do believe in compatibility and this sort of ideal match for, for people. And whether that's one person or a few people, I do believe that there are ideal matches. And so um, just to clarify, he and I were not an ideal match. We loved each other. We cared about each other. But for me, I discovered that I needed so much more than what he could offer and that what he was willing to uh, explore. So that's what I mean when I say he was not the one, was we were not an ideal match. And I knew that we'd be happier going off and finding people who were better suited for our personalities and our, our needs. Right. So uh, then moving on. Okay, so I did, uh, I took, I think maybe two months or so to just be alone and process. And I was sad. I mean, he was like my best friend for six years. So I was very sad. And so I, I grieved those feelings and I wrote in my journal and I, you know, read books and um, just did like this kind of self-discovery thing. And then it was, uh, I, I was at work and I used to be a stripper, by the way. I feel like that's important inform information um, that people would like to know is it does apply to a, like a huge part of my personality being very open and very like um, exploratory when it comes to sex and, and dating and connection between people. Um, and that was a huge period of my life where I felt like I got to explore that a lot. Okay. So I was at work one night and um, this guy asked me out and I said, it was the first guy I'd had, that had like ever asked me out ever since the breakup. So I was just like not feeling ready. And I told him that, and I was just like, I just got out of a serious thing. Like I'm not really ready. This guy works with you, right? No, no. This was just a guy uh, who a was client. there. Yeah. <laughs> he was just there hanging out and he was attractive. And so, but I just was not like ready for that. And he said, well, I don't want, you know, I'm not trying to marry you. I just want to have some fun with you. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Let's see what happens. And so we ended up hanging out a few times, had some great sex and he was great and he was fun. And, um, what do you define hanging out? Uh, just Netflix kinda, and chill. Or? No, no God. I just, Netflix and chill is great, but we went out on like adventures. Like he, you know, we would go just out driving to random places. He had a fun car. Um, we, Do you know what kind of car? I don't remember. It was like a fun sports car. <laughs> I don't remember. You heard it here. Just make sure it's a fun sports car. <laughs> it was, it was just fun. We would go out and like not do anything specific. Like he wasn't taking me to like a fancy dinner or whatever, but he was like, let's go have fun. And that's what we did. So we went to like parties, um, and just, I don't know. It felt very almost Bonnie and Clyde-ish, the connection that we had. And then, uh, if there was just, I felt what I liked about him was that I, I felt that sense of freedom. He definitely was not trying to tie me down and he was very honest about his intentions. And then I was very honest about mine. So it really worked and we had a blast together and I, I ran into him randomly like a few years later and he had been like traveling the world and, you know, just out living life and having all these crazy adventures. So I think just our free spirits really matched up really well, especially for that, that time where I really, really didn't want anything serious. And then, um, 
I don't know, it just kind of fizzled out. And then for three years after that, I just didn't care about finding a boyfriend. <laughs> I like just was living life and pursuing my dream of acting and dance and whatever I felt like. And I just, I didn't care about like having a boyfriend or dating at all. So I would meet guys that I had a connection with and then we would just sort of let it be whatever it was without trying to make it something, which was cool. And truth be told, I'm still friends with most of them because we weren't, there was no, um, anger or attachment or fear. It was just like, we just allowed each other to be where we were at, um, and then be with each other when it felt right. And then when it didn't, whatever, go do your thing. And did, I mean, it was great. <laughs> Coming from coming coming from my era, it seems that in that kind of a situation, you would uh, end up encountering guys that would go like aggro or like aggressive, or guys who would get too attached. I mean, did you find that, or did you no. you, you just naturally kind of found the guys who were just kind of really carefree? I I never encountered. I, I encountered a couple of like I guess you could call it failures, where it was like, okay, we think that this is going to be great. And then it was awful for me. And it was just like, Oh my God, what a huge, um, misreading of chemistry or what, or whatnot. <laughs> but there was only a couple of those times. Um, and then I would just pull back and be like, you know what, this isn't right for me, but no, I didn't really encounter anyone who got aggravated or upset or, or clingy or, or anything. If anything, I find that more now where it's, I, I don't even know what to make of it. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend, she, she describes it as the love me or I'll hate you, you know, or love me or, or I'm going to be mean to you kind of situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I don't know if I've encountered the love me or I'm going to be mean to you, but it's definitely like, how could you, like, I feel this for you. How could you not feel this for me? I'm completely shocked and appalled and I, I want to know why. And I'm just right. like, I... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why it's just not. So, but back then, no, uh, definitely not. But I also lived in San Diego. So I don't know if the climate is different um, here versus there. When did you move out of San Diego? It was about, it'll be five years actually in February. So, okay. Yeah. Right, cool. I had moved here from San Diego as well. Oh my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. But I moved here in 2003. Oh, okay. Yeah. So quite like, a bit before that. Yeah, yeah, way before. So during those three years, mm -hmm. um, how were you meeting people? Going out. Same thing. I Just would go clubs, out. Yeah. Clubs or bars or yeah, mix? clubs, bars, work. Um, I think that about covers it. I can't think of anything where it was like a mutual friend or someone trying to set me up. But again, I didn't really care. It was just me living my life. And if you came along and we felt something cool, if you didn't, whatever. So as far as your activities go, you were mainly just like kind of going to clubs and mm -hmm. parties and. Yeah. I was a bit of a party girl in San Diego for sure. Um, oh wait, you were dancing in San Diego. I was dancing in San Diego. What club? Yeah. Uh, Hustler and before that little darlings. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I think I went to Cheetos. Yeah. I never worked at Cheetos. But I know Whatever. of that one. Yeah, well, I was in the Marine Corps down there, and oh, I okay, yeah. would frequent the clubs down there. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you got a lot of that. Uh, yeah, 
yeah, we had a lot, you know, Navy. So it was quite a variety though, but that, that's what I liked about it. Um, there was locals, there was out of towners, um, tons of just different meeting so many different types of people. It was awesome. Okay. So then after the three year period, mm-hmm. is that, is that present or no? Where no. So in between that, um, there, <laughs> there was a guy who I met partying. Um, and was it like at a friend's party or do you no, no, no. We met at this, um, Alesso, the DJ was performing at fourth and B downtown in San Diego. So I went by myself because I was so super, super excited about that show. I was very, very into EDM at the time and San Diego at the time had a huge EDM scene downtown. There was a nightclub called Voyeur that had world-class DJs every single weekend. I was there every weekend, uh, Cascade, Funk Agenda, like Skrillex. I saw Skrillex like three or four times before he ever like rose up to fame at this club. So it was a huge scene back then. Um, it was super fun. So that was the, that was the deal. And I showed up by myself and was just dancing and partying and having like the best time of my life. And I met, um, this guy and I actually met his friend and his friend was uh, flirting with me that night. And I thought he was cute. And, um, we ended up hooking up a couple of times, but, and then he wanted something serious and I didn't. And I was like, Oh, like, no, I can tell that you want more than I do here. So I'm just going to let you be free. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then did you ghost him? No, I didn't ghost him. Um, but I just sort of you just slow to text him back, pulled back a bit on the romantic, uh, reciprocation. So, um, and a friend zoned him a little bit and I hate that term, but I did. And, uh, then really innocently, honestly, um, me and his friend were hanging out quite a bit, but we were just partying and we were like, talking all the time about just random awesome topics. And we were connecting were on some pretty on deep phone? level on the phone in person. He would go to the same shows and he was kind of like me where he would show up by himself if no one else wanted to go. So we kind of connected on, on that. He was like, Whoa, you like go out by yourself. And I was like, yeah, like, why not? Like everyone I know is going to be there anyways. And if they're not, I'm just here for the music. Like I really don't care. So we started hanging out um, a lot and I, when I say innocently, I really, really was not thinking that anything was going to happen. And I, I don't think that he was either. Uh, but then it did. Then it was just like all of a sudden, it, I remember it hit me one day. We were texting back and forth. And it was like after a night of partying and it was, I was at my friend's house. And we were t- like just texting back and forth. And it literally hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, oh, my God, I think I like him. Oh, and I threw my phone like a, like, like a reaction, like it, like it had bit me or something. I was like, oh my God, shit. Like, I think that I have feelings for this guy. Oh, I don't know what to do. And it scared me. And so, cause like, I don't know. I hadn't felt that ever like to that level. So, uh, he's the same thing pretty much happened to him. And so then we sort of started talking more seriously about, romantic levels of connection and 
were afraid to tell his friend. Well, at and- this point, at this point, <laughs> like you guys were not sleeping together. No, no, we weren't. We hadn't even kissed or anything. It was just. Well, so there's no like foreplay, no like. No. Touching, Mm-mm. physical, nothing physical when you guys went out at all? No, like, just hugs, like just, just friendly. Wow, okay. No, nothing. So um, about how long until like from the point when you started hanging out with him heavily to a point where you realized that you liked him? I think it was maybe a few weeks or a month or so. Um, so a decent amount of time. Yeah, it was a good amount of time. And it, what it was, was it just kind of, he became like, like my best friend in a sense where it was like, Oh my God, I can talk to you about literally anything and vice versa. So that turned into a very serious relationship and I will make this not fun part very concise. Um, he turned out to be abusive and manipulative and it was bad. It was a very, very toxic relationship. Um, and that lasted for about two, two and a half years. And because it started so good, I, and there was so many nuances and so many reasons why I stayed. Um, he was never physically abusive, but he was emotionally, verbally, and sexually abusive. So it was just so confusing and so like weird and, and crazy. Like and a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It was, yeah, it was insane. Yeah, absolutely. He would be Prince Charming one minute and then, you know, and this, this didn't start until we actually started dating. We had had sex together. Um, and then a month after that is when Dr. Jekyll came running out, <laughs> like just full force. Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde. Is it Mr. Hyde? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. Okay. So yeah. And just kind of this scary monster came out and I didn't know what to make of it. And it was like, this wasn't the person that I knew and was getting to know. So it was extremely confusing. So it just it just sort of turned into this two and a half year relationship that was extremely toxic. And I finally left and um, took, okay, so that was about two and a half years ago that I finally left for good. I said, no more. Like, I don't want any contact with you Were you guys at living all. together? Or? We were living together. We actually moved to Vegas together. So that's how I ended up here. Um, uh, friends of ours had moved here and we were both really struggling to find work in San Diego. And he, it was his suggestion to like move to Vegas cause our friends had just done it. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I don't have anything going for me here really, as far as like dance or art or anything is concerned. So screw it. I'm up for the adventure. And, uh, that was the best decision I've ever made because I love living here and I love, my life here now. And I would not have the opportunities that I have now without being here. Like it's just opened up so many doors for me. So we were together, we were living together for about six months on and off where I was trying to leave and, you know, he would like pull me back in somehow. And then, um, I moved out, got my own place. That was a huge fight. (laughs) Um, but got my own place and was just like, I need to be away from you. And, um, you know, we kind of went back and forth for like another six months or so. And then finally one day I just, um, I had this really interesting experience actually. He was, it was like an out of body experience where we weren't together, but he was trying to get me back for like the umpteenth time. And, you know, there was just this part of me that wanted to believe so badly that he loved me, that he cared about me. 
And, um, that was the lie that I just kept that kept pulling me in and pulling me back. And I, he was kind of trying to coerce me to get back together or let him come inside or whatever it was. And I like had this moment where I literally left, like left my body, like had this out of body experience. And I saw everything about him that was being manipulative and like snapped back into reality and just slammed the door and walked away and like never looked back. It was really crazy. So something (laughs) saved me on that day where it was like, no, do not listen to what he's saying. It's a completely different story than what you're hearing. So that moment was really pivotal for me because it, it, for the longest time, I really believed that everyone was honest and everyone was who they said they were because that's right. who I am and that's you know how I was raised. And that's like the people that I surround myself with. After that, um, I was pretty much terrified of everyone <laughs> for a long time, even friends that I already knew uh, because it was like, oh my God, everyone could be lying to me about right. what they want from yeah, me. You found and, it hard to trust people. Oh after my that. God, for so long. And I did a lot of research actually on um, narcissism and abuse and the different. Right. Sociopaths. Everything I went through. Oh, yeah. Psychopathy. Yeah. And um, so I feel like a bit of an expert in those areas. Wouldn't it be great if our parents were just like, you know, when we were little, hey, there's narcissists and sociopaths out there. I don't even think that they knew, though, like uh, the level that that exists out there today is it's really, really scary. scary. It's And like, and a lot of people in the older you get, most people it's like, oh, have you encountered your first narcissist yet? You know? Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Cause I've had my experiences and everything. Mm -hmm. It's just like, and then you're just like, and then you just keep hearing story after story about people who are, you know, they're just not. Oh yeah. I mean, everyone, it's like, it really is like the, the, it's the conversation now, like, oh, my ex was a narcissist or, oh, my ex was a sociopath or a psychopath. And it's just, you know, we, I think movies train us to view psychopaths as like, um, murderers and yeah, murderers, they hide yeah. people in, in, you know, in the yeah. woods. Or it's obvious you, sh- you will know immediately because you'll be terrified and running away from them right. when they'll be wielding an ax. And that's completely not the case. Yeah, that's <laughs> the worst thing about um, the reason why is they're so good and they're so prevalent because, you know, obviously not the majority of people are not narcissists. The majority right. of people are not sociopaths. Yeah. But the reason that they leave such a lasting impression because they're so good at mimicking like sociopaths are really good at mimicking human emotion yeah. and they're really good at manipulating people and displaying things. So you believe one thing and then it's completely not the truth. And then mm-hmm. narcissists, um, they're, they're kind of easier to spot. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is like, if you haven't encountered one before, you have no idea what's going on. And then, yeah. you know, there'd be one person around you, you know, and you'll be the center of the world. And then mm-hmm. they go around another person and then now that person's still the center of the world and they mm-hmm. don't, they don't have any concept of hurting people's feelings. They're all in it for themselves, you know, yeah. yada, 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 mm-hmm. all this stuff. So it's like, it's like, it's really hard, you know, for people who haven't experienced them to, to spot them. And then they just go from person to person to person mm-hmm. and just perfecting their, mm-hmm. their hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Um, because you're always going to be their prey no matter what. And that was the whole, I mean, and when I say I tried to leave probably over, I don't know if it was a hundred times, but it felt like it. And I know it was at least 
30 or 40 times that I tried to leave that relationship and he would just figure out a way to convince me to come back. It was always this hunt, always. And then as soon as he had me, it was, oh, I'm bored. <laughs> and I could never figure that out. I could never figure out like where that boredom and disinterest came from. Cause I had, n I don't even think I had, the term narcissist was not even on my radar. Um, you know, I was always taught if, uh, if a man ever touches you in, in a way that you don't want, push him away, scream, run for help, whatever you got to do. Or if he hits you, that's abuse clearly, but he never hit me and he never, he only threatened to like once. And that was like a cue to like, go get my own place actually. But all the other stuff was never, I mean, I knew it was wrong and I knew it was terrible and I would call him out on it, but like, I thought that he cared, you know what I mean? Like I thought, oh, he'll care that he's hurting me because that's what a compassionate person does is they care that they hurt right. you and he didn't. So it was, uh, it was pretty bad. So that, yeah, I spent a, a really long time being terrified and it, it, it actually still screws with me sometimes where it's like, uh, I don't know if I can trust this person or not. And I really, really want to, but it's taught me to, you know, really, really, really be discerning. And now I don't put up with anything that I don't like at all. So it taught me a huge lesson in not compromising what feels good to me and what I want from someone at all and not putting up with anything less. So that's what I took from it. All that tumultuous crap really did, you know, I couldn't help but like learn something from it. Right. It's, yeah. Like you, you had a, a realization about your self value and what you're worth and what you deserve. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. hundred percent. And it's, it's a journey. It's not like it happened one day where I was like, I deserve more than this, which is, it's true that that happened, but it's totally a journey where it's like, well, what does that even mean? Well, I deserve better. Okay. Well, what's better? You know, better is not feeling scared around the person that you're with. Okay. Well, that's a start. Okay. Well, better is not being lied to. And, and, you know, there's this, this concept right now that I hate where I feel like, um, maybe certain shows like catfish or, or whatever it is on MTV. I'm not sure. They sell you this idea that everybody lies. It, right. we're, we're totally being sold this idea right now that everybody lies. And I damn sure hope that's not true. And I don't think that it is. I don't believe that. I don't think everybody lies and we should just accept that. Well, it's definitely not true. Yeah. But I mean, how, like, I mean, the, the one simple thing is how many people lie about their age? Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think we would probably be staggered to know, like, how many people are actually lying about their age. Again, I've, and I've definitely felt, like, I've never lied about my age. Yeah, me either. But now I'm starting to feel the pressure, you know. <laughs> like, because I was talking to a girl the other night, and she was just like, it came up in conversation. And she's like, well, how old are you? I'm like, I'm, I'm 37. She's like, wow, <laughs> you're 12 years older than me. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, that happens when you get older. You get, you feel older than people. But, <laughs> you know, and, and then I was like, so how old do you think she, I was? She's like, oh, I thought you were like 31, 32. And I was like, well, thank you very much. I, I feel mm -hmm. very good about myself now. And, 
mm-hmm. and, you know, have more confidence moving forward, you know, yeah. but what I've learned, cause I, I went to college late in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I learned is that people always assume you're closer to their age. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People okay. will always assume you're closer to their age because when they're with you, they feel like they have stuff in common with you and then mm. they just kind of naturally assume. So when mm-hmm. I was in college, everybody just thought I was way younger. Sure. You know, which is, which is nice, you know, mm-hmm. but on like on dating apps and everything, it's harder because it's attached to your Facebook and all this other stuff, you know? So, and then age seems to be this like huge thing. Like, like the biggest thing about dating is like on the dating profile, is like, like this huge number. And like mm-hmm. on Tinder, the only way to get rid of it is you have to pay them. You have to subscribe <laughs> to them and then you can hide your age. You know, like Which 30 is crazy. Bucks a month. Like, I don't understand. I've never understood the concept of wanting to hide your age. I don't. And the filters are set up to filter people out based on their age and everything, right. you know? So it's like people feel pressured to lie about their age, mm-hmm. you know? So when you say like everybody's lying, well, I mean, that would be the first thing that everybody would be lying about. Sure. Yeah. Or, um, you know, I, I, and again, I really want to reiterate, like we are, cause I really do believe that like mass media, it's, uh, all of the time we're being sold an idea through movies. And I, I love movies because that's what I want to do with my life, but through movies, through music, through, uh, reality TV, especially talk shows, the news, we're always being sold an idea. Right. And right now, one that I've noticed a lot is that everybody lies. And I'm just like, it breaks my heart to like, think about that. And I just don't think that it's, again, that it's true, but like, I've never lied about my age. I've never lied about anything on any dating profile that I've ever had or Facebook or anything. Um, and, uh, but what I've noticed is that guys do want it. They want like a reassurance. So I, I there's this one experience one time where um, found this guy on like a okay Cupid or something. And he, so I have all these pictures on my profile and I have like natural shots too. Like I don't all have like, I have like two or three semi-professionals. Hashtag no makeup, you know? Yeah. Hashtag like, I woke up like this. Or whatever. No, I don't. <laughs> oh my God, those drive me crazy. <laughs> but like, you know, just like I'm smiling, hanging out with friends or whatever. So this is me in like real life. And this is like me in a, you know, photography studio. And, um, this guy like wanted me to send him a picture. We had never met in person. We were going to hang out the next day and I was offended. And I was just like, why would I give you that? Like, I I don't like what it drives me nuts. Like, I don't want to send you a photo to me. If I'm sending a guy a photo, I'm trying to like, flirt with him or turn him on or like, you know, say like, Hey, I miss you. Here's what I'm doing with my day. It's something where the connection's already been established. It's, you know, we've hung out, we've, we've got a romantic connection going already. And it's to serve the purpose of like either telling you like, Hey, I wish you were here or flirty. Hi, I can't wait to see you later. So I never met this guy ever. And I was like, why would I give you that? Like part of me already, like, and I get that it's not the same for everyone where not everyone feels the same way I do about it. But I was like, I, I was so turned off already that I was like, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> I don't want to hang out tomorrow. <laughs> right. I, I don't want to, like, I just don't get why I would give you that already 
when we haven't even met in person yet. You And you're asking me for something essentially. Right. And he goes, well, I didn't mean nudes. And I was like, that's not what I said. I didn't say that I thought you meant like send me nudes. I just, I don't think that you, you know, that I should owe you anything yet. I don't. And, um, and so he was trying to kind of, you know, make up for it, but I was just so turned off that I couldn't come back from it. And, uh, and I thought about it later and I thought, you know, he probably was trying to just make sure that I looked like what I looked like in my pictures. Um, this is true. I, I think that, you know, after I'd calmed down a bit, I think that's probably what he was trying to do, but that's also kind of just annoying and offensive. Like right. you can't just wait like one day. And if I look completely different, just be okay. Thank well, my, you whole, for- my whole philosophy is <laughs> meet up with a person. Like don't, yeah. don't just try to meet up with them as much as you can, like as fast as you can find right. out if you have chemistry, Right. you know, cause chemistry over the phone is different than chemistry in person, Yeah. you know, and texting is completely useless because mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. 90% of our communication is through body language. Mm-hmm. No, yada, yada, yada. So let's back up. Um, so you got out of this really bad relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then how was that? Oh, man, it was very hard. I didn't trust anyone to the level where I I probably should have sought out some therapy or some counseling or something. But I, re- I really, he was so in my head um, that I didn't trust anyone else's voice. I knew that it was going to be very difficult to regain my own sense of self. Um, cause he had completely destroyed my confidence, my sense of independence, um, my belief that I could do basically anything. So it's like, it sounds like he diminished your free spirit. Completely. Um, absolutely destroyed everything about that. Um, so it, <laughs> I knew that I was kind of taking the tough route, but I really, really, truly didn't trust anyone else's influence because he had abused that so much. And um, so I didn't seek out any counseling or therapy at all. And I decided to just take it into my own hands. And so I did a lot of research, like I said, and, uh, and it didn't start out like I didn't look up sociopathy and narcissism. I just would actually Google things that he had said to me and like done to me because I didn't know what the hell to make of it. And then those things came up. So I was not expecting, it's, it's just always like hindsight. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I honestly didn't think it was that bad to be quite frank. Like I didn't think that what I went through was as bad as it was. It was devastating. And I probably most, I don't think a lot of people don't come out of those relationships, at least not as quickly. I, I'm sitting here thinking like, oh my God, two and a half years, like people stay in them for 20 years. And it's, I was just like, shit, I would have killed myself. And I, I actually thought about suicide a couple of times because um, I was that depressed and I did not understand the level of devastation that I had experienced until I started putting definitions to it. So did a lot of that. And then, um, really just tried to focus on work and, um, friendships 
And you were still dancing at this point. No, I was in Vegas and I was bartending. Bartending. Okay. Yeah. I was bartending at Fat Tuesday actually. Um, oh, wow. yeah, I actually, I came to Vegas to, let's back up a little bit. I came to Vegas to find work in dance, um, not stripping, but actual professional dance, um, specifically go-go dancing. I really wanted to do that. And the first job I had was at Tao. First job I ever got. So I was super proud of that. It was really exciting. And I had a blast there. Danced at Tao and Marquee um, for a year. And then I uh, was really devastated when our manager left and I wasn't working for him anymore. And then we got this um, guy who was trying his best, but just really it was not working out anymore. Hours were being cut and all that. And I won't go into too much detail, but I just decided, you know what? I'm frustrated with the level of pay that I'm getting and I'm going to try bartending. Like it sounds like fun. I'm a people person. So I'll try that. So I moved into bartending and, um, so I was working at Fat Tuesday. So I was like, I'm just going to go focus on work and myself and like (laughs) try to like pick up the pieces, I guess. And, um, that's, uh, a few, like me, I don't, I don't really know like timelines anymore. It's kind of all those, that time period is really confusing and like jumbled together. But somewhere along the way, I met Jill and, um, our mutual friend, and she had this like web series that she was doing and I was really excited about it. And I was like, I haven't even acted in like three years. So, you know, can you give me a spot on your show? And she was like, yeah, sure. And then, and I ended up helping with production and like anything she needed. Cause it was just so much fun to be around that group of people and, um, you included. And so that group of people was very healing in a sense where I was like, oh my God, I feel like I can just like be myself. Everyone's right. joking and laughing and like doing what they love to do. And come to think of it, I think that that helped where not only were we being social, but everyone was there to do something that had nothing to do with me. It was, we're making a show. Right. We're all in on this project together. And that felt like family. It felt like a team. So that was extremely therapeutic. And, um, and so somewhere in there, I decided to venture back in the world of trusting, trying to trust men again. <laughs> and so had like a few, um, no strings attached. Cause I couldn't handle that. Um, just connections where I knew that I could trust at least that this person wasn't going to purposely hurt me. And you can tell because when you're in the middle of sex with someone and you say, I don't like that. And they go, Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. I won't do it again. And then they don't do it again. That to me was like, Oh my God, (laughs) really, really interested in how I feel. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. They're, they're not perfect and they're not like maybe even dating material, but at least they're not trying to hurt me on purpose because that makes them feel good for some reason. So, um, yeah. And then just from that, meeting that lovely group of people, I got really excited about that. And I just started purposely connecting with and trying to make really lasting connections with people that I felt a really strong bond with right away, just friendships. And that has led me to where I am now, where I just feel like I have this amazing network of people and like a family that I can trust with my life and with my problems and with 
anything that I've got going on and that I just adore being around and that could never leave my side and I would never be upset about it. You know, like just, it's just this amazing feeling of connectedness and community and family. Um, so I guess basically to sum up, it was like, it turned into, you know what, let me like forge this family because that's what makes me feel really, really great about myself and really happy and free and like excited. And then it's, you know, along the way, it was like a couple of those people I sort of opened up to my experience about. So I was able to talk about it, which was a huge step towards trusting people again, like really, really trusting, like, okay, if I can tell you about this and, you know, you don't take advantage of that vulnerability, now we can really trust each other. So that was huge. Um, cause I've never had a problem being vulnerable until this guy where he took advantage of right. the vulnerability. Um, and so now I'm to a point, it's been about two or three years since I finally like cut that off for good. And so now we're, I'm at a good place where it's like, okay, I oh, feel good. good. Oh yeah. <laughs> we have a plane. Yes. The planes. Okay. So you yeah. found a family mm-hmm. and, uh, and then you're able to kind of like feel safe and you found an environment mm-hmm. that like really worked well for you and mm-hmm. you're able to kind of flourish. And so would you say that you found kind of, you kind of restored a little bit of your, your free spirit? I think that it not only restored it, but actually made it more, um, I became more grounded and more free at the same time because I had always had that free spirit, but I, I never really had like roots. And I remember making a conscious decision at some point after um, breaking it off with that guy where I said, you know what, let me just see what would happen if I like really rooted myself into the city that I'm in and like into this experience um, and really tried to form close bonds and relationships. Because a lot of my friends from San Diego who I still adore um, we, we would go out together, we'd hang out together and, um, I, but I didn't feel that close and we don't really talk that much anymore. And I've kind of, I kind of noticed that where it's like, you know, if I went back home and I'm sure if I called one of them, they would answer. And I do still have a, a few close friends from San Diego who I know that they love me and I know that I love them, but those really close, like I talk to you almost every day. I see you almost every day. Like I had never really like had that. Um, because I didn't necessarily like need that. Like I had it with a few close people, two or three who were like roommates, but that like really rooted, connected family, like of just a network of like awesome people. Like I was like, what if I just grounded myself in, into certain people and like, see what happens. So I remember making a conscious decision and then it became this experience of like, well, how do you like get to be like super, super close to someone? Um, and then it, it's just still this kind of evolving adventure where it's like, oh, okay, that would bring us closer. And that would like strengthen our bond. You know, if we had this conversation or if we, what if I opened up to this person about this part of me who maybe they didn't understand or have never seen before. Um, so yeah. And I, I feel like that the basis of that I do have now 
And so not only did I regain this sort of free spiritedness that I had before, I became more supported and more grounded. It's not necessarily about me and what I'm doing anymore. It's like this entity. What are we doing? What are you doing? How can I help you? Um, what can we do together? And Sense of community and a yeah, network. Exactly. And yeah. like, what are we doing separately and what can we do together? Like, it's, it's very cool. It's very cool. So. So how did you get back into dating <laughs> when you found the support network and you found close with anybody? I mean. Oh man. I, well, like I said, it started off with a couple of like no strings attached scenarios. And unfortunately I gained very strong feelings for the first guy that I sort of let close to me again, romantically. How did you guys meet? Uh, we met through work. So I was bartending. bartending yes. And, um, at was first it, I was, was totally, he a customer or did you work with him? No, we were working together. Okay. All right. So at first it was totally fine with no strings attached. Cause I was like, I cannot handle anything right. else. But then it became like, I grew stronger feelings than he, I don't, I do really think that I do believe that he cared and that he loved me, but he could not give me what I needed, which was, you know, let's be together. Let's like do the thing. Like let's do the real thing. And he just, could not handle that, was not ready for that. So, um, I basically had, I feel like I had to cut off contact with him because I would just keep sort of settling for what he was able to give and, um, not really going out and looking elsewhere for something that like I really truly wanted now, which was like, you know, an actual relationship of sorts. So yeah, unfortunately I feel terrible about it still. Cause that really did end like a really fun friendship and maybe we can be friends in the future. But I, I had to step away because I was like, I can't it just it, too much. Like, cause it's essentially what it is. It's the pain of rejection. Yeah. You know, it's like, I care for this person. This person doesn't care for me the same way. And then you're constantly searching for that, that affection from them or yeah. whatever you want from them, but you're never really going to get it. And then, or at least not all the way, or at yeah. least not when I want it, it's, it was, when can you provide it? Okay, cool. And it's like, let me pencil you in then. It, it just wasn't yeah. like, and it, it seems wasn't like available. I mean, would you say that it seems impossible to be, even to be kosher friends after that? Because every time you're around them, you would feel rejected and you would feel this hurt or pain or? Yeah, um, I think so. Definitely right now. And maybe in the future, I I, I really believe that, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't blame him. I don't, I don't hate him. I'm not even angry at him anymore. It still hurts, but it's like, um, the pain I think comes from not understanding and not understanding like why, you know, like we have, you know, what seems to be a great thing. Why can you not come a little bit more to this side? Um, and then he was involved with another woman as well, which I knew about and I was okay with, <laughs> but it was, um, I always felt like second and, um, and I, I do feel like he was dishonest a couple of times with, you know, what he was up to or something, which never was necessary. It just something that he felt like he needed to do. So sort of the trust fizzled. And then you were still working with him. No, not anymore. I switched jobs. So we weren't working together after a while. Um, and, uh, and, and I don't like bring feelings like that to work with me. I, I do think we were working together a bit during that, but it, didn't become a problem. And, 
and then I left and I went, I switched jobs. So, but it, it really was about like, you know, if I don't stop talking to you, I'm going to keep trying to pursue you. Right. And I can't do that because I know like, it's. You can't kill the feelings. Like. No, no, not at all. Cause it's a, it, it's just a dead end and I can't do that to myself. So I can't talk to you anymore. I'm going to cut this off and go try and find someone who does want to be there with me. Like really, really wants to be there like in it with me. Um, so yeah, that was one experience. And then I've, I've had like a couple of really, I've fallen hard for a couple of really great guys that I were just supposed to be flings because I knew they didn't live here. Um, and so when I met them, it was like instant chemistry and, uh, they would only be in town for a week or two and I'd be like, okay, cool. Let's just go have some fun. Like, let's just, you know, you're here for a week. You're here. I yeah. can't pass this up because it just feels amazing. So let's just go have some fun. And then it was too much fun <laughs> for me. And then I was like, but why do you have to live in Italy or why do you have to like not be available at all? Cause you live in like DC and it was just like terrible. Um, cause I felt way too hard and wasn't expecting to a couple of times. Um, but I, I don't, it's okay. Like I let myself fall that hard, I think, because even though it hurts when it's, when it doesn't last or when it's doesn't become what you want it to become for me, it's like having those experiences, at least I get to say that I like experienced right. what it feels like to literally feel like you're the only two people in a crowded room. And I really, truly like felt that. Um, and, and I've, I get to have that. And it's like, you know, of course you want that to last. Of course I want that to be like what it feels like all the time. Right. But yeah. it's not. That's, that's really, okay. really good. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, cause a lot of people after they've been in a relationship, they have trouble getting back to that point mm -hmm. to fall, being able to fall for people. Mm. So that's fantastic. So how did you, how did you meet these guys? Uh, they were both uh, clients when I was bartending downtown. Um, both were in the air force, interestingly enough. And, um, both just had this like, and they were about six months apart. Both just had this like really exciting energy about them. Um, and I, I think it's that sense of adventure. They were both pilots. So it's just like, I really just like, I vibe with that. I love that like zest for life. Like, let's just go do some dumb stuff together and see what happens. Um, and just had really great, very much two short adventures with both of them. Um, and, uh, and it, it just couldn't work out with either, but, but yeah, just, uh, it was just instant connection, instant, uh, conversational chemistry off the charts, just off the wall. Um, unbelievable conversational chemistry and unbelievable sexual chemistry that I felt right away. So it was, it was very cool. It was a very fun experience. So there you have it, episode 101. So if you like the show, you can visit our website at swipingvegas.com to get all our social media links. Follow us on Instagram at swipingvegas. Join us on our Discord with the link on the website. And support us on Patreon, forward slash swipingvegas. This episode was published by Inclusive Sound, hosted, produced, and edited by TJ Hess. The music is provided by No Copyright Sounds. The track is Jim Yosef and Anna Yvette linked. Thank you so much for listening.